From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 36. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. Hover, simplified domain management, and Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by the editor-in-chief of MaxStories.net and the co-host of the virtual podcast on Relay FM, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, Mike. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I am very well indeed, and I'm also joined by the managing director of 512pixels.net and the uh, co-founder-in-chief of Relay FM, Mr. Stephen Hackett. I sound fancier than I really am, but I'll roll with it. The uh, journalism magnate, Mr. Stephen Hackett. I like it. This is my new thing, you know? Just I, I like to make yeah. you guys feel really important. See, it's weird because Federico has people working for him on his site, but me, it's it's just me. So it's like managing director of my MacBook Pro. I don't know. You, know. you have people write some stuff for you sometimes. I've written things for you in the past. You know, it's, it's not it's as true. lonely as you make it out to be. <laughs> Blogging is a lonely gig. Oh. <laughs> but podcasting is not because we are here with our friends, with our friends on Skype and our friends in the chat room and our friends out there in the world. So it's very, I'm feeling the love today. Do we have any friends really in this world? Oh my God! I'm way go. too sleepy to get this deep. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't oh. know. Just think about it. I feel like I wanna explore this idea. You know, you're gonna end up crying alone in a bathroom. Probably, yeah, or on an island. I don't know. Just up front today, I'm reserving the right to get super weird because I'm I arrived from Atlanta this morning uh, yeah. into London and. Spent well, the day. I I fell asleep randomly at one point today, uh, which I hate that. I hate that so much because you wake up and you don't know what day it is anymore. Like so, I'm very very tired, uh, but I'm committed to connected. You know, so I wanted to do the show today. So here we where are. Where did you fall asleep exactly? Where? Where? Yeah. I, I was on my bed. Um, oh, okay. So not not too weird. No, not like the supermarket. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> like you fall. I don't know. Like you fall asleep in the middle of the street. That, that can be, you know, kind of strange. But in your bed, it, I mean, it, I can understand that. Well, you know, I fell asleep in bed and I woke up in the supermarket. So, you know, okay, I'm not, that, I'm not really 100% weird. sure what happened. But everything's okay, you know. Everything's oh, yeah, okay. sure. Seems seems fine. Seems, uh, seems fine. We're going to get to Atlanta, though. But first, we have some follow-up. 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 So people have been charged, some people at least, for their Apple Watches. Um Mike, have you been charged, and do you have a ship date? Uh, I was charged like an hour ago. Actually, no, let me change it. I was charged for my Apple Watch like about two hours ago, and I'm now preparing for dispatch uh, with delivery from the 24th of April to the 8th of May still. Dispatch like, is, a, is a shipment, right? Yeah, yeah. People okay. people always point this out to me. They, they, <laughs> they label it different in the UK. So we are preparing for dispatch and dispatched mm-hmm. rather than preparing for shipment. So um, I think if we're preparing for dispatch, I'm feeling pretty good about Friday right now. Yeah, yeah, you will get it on Friday. Well, don't, don't, don't say that. You'll build my hopes up. I'm, I'm no. really not looking forward to. I, I hate just this process, like of having to wait at home for it. Like I, I hate it because it never goes right for me. Like they always say, oh, we tried to deliver and you weren't home and then I have to call people liar, liars on the phone. Every time we have to go through this and I really don't want to have to go through this, but here we are. Hey, maybe you fell asleep 
when they try to <laughs> that's a good <laughs> to deliver <laughs> to deliver your stuff <laughs> now let's let's not tell them these people that so we'll find out hopefully i'll get it um on friday this is why you know i really wanted to be able to go into a store and buy one but you know angela Arendt, she has her own agenda and it's not the same as mine mm, i don't think that lays at her feet <laughs> no i think but... it does i'm blaming her completely no, she's she signed I... the notes man you know what can i say my guess is that it has much more to do with uh Stock levels, but um. So we'll blame the person in charge of the supply chain then, instead. So, uh, Federico, what about you? I'm still waiting. Uh, I'm still going to the German website, and you know I'm still getting all my German messages about uh, that the order is processing and my credit card has not been charged. Uh, even if today I got one guy on Twitter, another Italian. Uh, Apple Watch uh, wannabe customer who tried to do my same technique, only he did it in France. He he bought an Apple Watch from the French store. And his order was on four to six weeks, just like mine. And it got moved up to Friday. And mine didn't. Uh, So lucky... Not yet. Not yet. I have... I'm really... What did he order, though? What did he order? Uh, Did he... um, I don't remember. See, I don't remember. Um, trying to look now. Uh, I don't know. I can't find the guy on Twitter anymore. Um, still, I don't have a good feeling about this. So mm. uh, I think I will have to wait and look at my German messages. Uh, you know? Yeah. Just wait for... May- maybe next week when there's the, the Apple uh, earnings call, they will, they will say something. Where your, where your watch is. No, no, <laughs> no. Maybe they will say something about the second wave of uh, launch countries. Maybe, hopefully. Although I, I got some doubts, you know, because of all the supply chain problems. Um, yeah, but I mean, at this point, the second wave is kind of pointless to you because you have one in Germany. Uh, well, do I? <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's stuck Good on point. the website. Uh, I mean, the delivery date is from the twelfth of May to twenty-six. Uh, of May, so you know, it's basically another month of waiting. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling about this at all. Uh, it's probably the Germans. Uh, I'm yep. kidding, by the way. Uh, I know that we got a lot of German listeners. We love you. We love you all the same. Uh, so yeah, I'm still waiting. Uh, long answer. Sorry, Stephen. No, it's fine. Mine is still processing and i have not been charged uh on my credit card but uh bradley chambers reminded me of this uh the other day that a lot of times memphis will or memphis will be used because fedex is here for apple and and other companies i'm most familiar with apple to stage shipments so it's very possible that mine is in town and if that is true then i probably won't get shipping information until wednesday or thursday even if it's to be delivered on friday and that's how that my iPhones have been in the past. Like my iPhone 6, I got shipped to my house and I had the tracking number in hand for about 12 hours before it showed up. So I'm not freaking out yet. Uh, it still says delivered uh, 424 through 5.8. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see if it's uh, just around the bend. The deliveries app, you know, the app deliveries? Yes. It really doesn't. I've just realized it really doesn't like the UK date format because it's telling me that I will have my, my watch by the 5th of August. 
fine. Which, which is fine. You know, we don't we don't need to worry about this. Thing. What if you do get it on the fifth of August? I will be really upset. That would <laughs> For suck some reason. so bad. <laughs> I mean, there's there's plenty of time to to sleep. You know, until August. That's a good you can, point. That you can really recover. You can sleep every day. And for like six months. When is August, by the way? Is it like three months the, away? Oh, three months away. So not well, three six. and a bit, maybe. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. We don't know the, how a year works, so <laughs> we have a totally different way. Totally different way of counting time. <laughs> but you guys do it in metric. It's crazy. That's true. Uh, speaking of things, shipping to people. Uh, we've been getting a lot of photos of people in their new connected shirts, and uh, I got mine uh, just yesterday, and they look awesome. Where's your picture? And everyone looks. Say what? Where's your picture? Uh, I was gonna wash it first, so okay. I'll send you some some photos for your your wall of 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 me later. <clears throat> Are you still doing the the shrine of people uh, with the t-shirts, Stephen? Uh, I did it with the prompt shirts. I I probably should do it with the connected shirts, but I just uh, don't have any time. But uh, I would like to issue an official decree um, that you do oh. that. That mm. is, you know, I'm, I'm Federico. Do you second my motion? Yeah. Yep. There you go. Motion seconded. And do um, I have passed. any say in this dictatorship? Wow. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a this is a dual uh, a dual dictatorship scenario we got got going on here. I don't think dictators ha- need a second motion to do anything. He just wants to feel good about himself. Yeah, I need to reinforce it, you know. Okay, so I'll put some pictures together for next week. Uh, people look very, very uh, attractive in their shirts. They're really, they're, they're nice. The colors are great. I'm very pleased with how they came out. So, um, thank you again to our awesome designer, uh, Frank Towers, for putting that together. If you do put together a web page, Stephen, I'm just gonna ask you to sort uh, the photos by beard quality. Of the people in the photos. Yeah, that's good. That's a good metric. Yeah. But it's up to me to judge the quality of beard. Yes. Yeah. It is up to this you. This is a lot of stress, guys. I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to fail you. Okay, so should we talk about topic 0.2? Yes, please. So uh, Mike alluded to it a little bit ago. Uh, he and I, you and I, Michael, Michael, Hi. the two of us. Mm-hmm. With lots of other people. Just got back from Atlanta, Georgia. We did uh, the Atlanta Pin Show, the fans of The Pin Addict, which is a great podcast here on Relay FM. Uh, back to Kickstarter project to bring you over uh, from the Queensland to our humble southern soil mm-hmm. to film uh, the Pin Show. So we had a film crew down and we did a live audio podcast and all that's being edited and put together for Kickstarter backers. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what you want to say. I'm sure you guys are going to unpack it some more on the pen addict. But yeah. I, I, for one, had a really good time. Oh, I've had a great. I had a fantastic weekend, um, and it was great to meet so many people, uh, not just listeners of the pen addict, but listeners of uh, Relay in general. And um, we had a great time. Uh, Federico, I met Doug Beal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Uh huh. Doug was there. Doug, oh, Doug Beal from the chat room. You know, our uh, title suggester extraordinaire. Um, wow. Yeah, we met a bunch the, of people. It was the Duck Beal? The Duck Beal. Oh, man. We hung out. We hugged. You touched him? Uh, I did. I did touch him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if wow. he wanted to be touched, but I touched him. Wow. wow. Yeah. Human contact is so like a strange concept to Americans, I think. Yeah, I don't. 
I don't like being touched even for See? an American. Like Federico, very, do you do uh, the do you do the kissing, like the kissing on the cheek? Of course, two. Two kisses. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I have to I've gotten more used to that since having a, a European girlfriend, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, because um in Romania I think they do the same like in Italy. They do. They do. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, of course. A lot of a lot of contact here going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So Atlanta wow. was a lot of fun, um, and I'm very tired still. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. I fell asleep earlier, guys. Did I tell you? That's fine. The follow-up was kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was great. We had a party Friday night at Notco, which is uh, Brad's business, and had I don't know how many people were there. I mean, it was nuts. There was, oh, it was over be- 60 people. I think. Yeah, beer, beer and pizza, and a field note swap, which was crazy, and then the show itself, and you and I got some time to work on some stuff. So it was just, it was a lot of fun. Just to, you know, you think of that world as being really separate from ours, but I, like I spoke on Upgrade this week with Jason, like what ties all these nerd, little nerd communities together is passion for for what we're interested in, and that was definitely evident to me in Atlanta, and and I think uh, I think it was really great to see that that little world you know it's in parallel to ours over here in like the apple mac ios camp so yep um thank you to everyone who came out and said hi and it was great to talk to people and uh we hope to do more of that sort of stuff in the future i think so did you play any pen games together no Uh, i i I do believe that when we were recording the show there was a drinking game happening oh okay That, that was the rumor that i heard uh but i don't know if there are any pen games we swapped pens and played with pens of each other's, you know, but um, I, I don't, I don't think there are any games specifically. That's sad, but but I understand. <laughs> For the next show, I'll I'll create a game. Yeah, but it it, it 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 has to be entertaining also on a podcast. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes that's a little bit more difficult. But I can work on that. Maybe you 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 could guess which pen is it uh, by the noise of the pen against paper. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good idea, actually. <laughs> See, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a. You're I'm visionary. A, I'm full of uh, resources and ideas, you know. Yeah, you, you really, really are. <laughs> he's, he's a thought leader, really, mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah, and also a frequent visitor of the German Apple Store. Besides, you know, being a thought leader, that's what I do. Yeah, I think, I think they go hand in hand. Um, <laughs> Can we so, move on so, to topic point three? Yeah, so topic 0.3. Uh, yes, so in the midst of all of this, you were actually still in the States. I had just gotten home. Uh, but yesterday, we put up our teaser video for the Relay FM iPhone and Watch app, which yep. is super exciting. If you haven't yep. seen this video, you should definitely go watch it. And um, the app is built by the guys over at Glide. They're in, also speaking Kickstarters there. They just were funded in their Kickstarter um, for their new platform. And it's... It's super great. Like I can't say enough good things about Glide and their platform and our app is going to be super awesome. It is super awesome. It'll be out soon. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we're working on it, but we wanted to, to talk about it now because Glide have got their Kickstarter going on and the teaser video, like everything that's in the teaser video is all actual stuff that's gonna be in the app. Um, like the UI and the animations and stuff like that. So um Chris and Mateus and everyone at Glide, they're super good at like motion animation and things like that. So the app's gonna really be like a living thing. It's very excited. Every time he sends sends us something, like a new animation, it's like ah! <laughs> So uh yeah, you go check it out. We've got links in the show notes. Federico Vitici, where can they find the show notes, please? Uh they can find them on um 
on a web browser, uh, they can go to relay.fm um, slash connected. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be another slash. And then there's going to be a three followed by a six. Or they could just go to Teletext page 36. Yeah. You can, you can also get the show notes there as well. Yeah. Now, you could tell I was buying time because I needed to check out the, the number of the last episode. Yeah, yeah, I felt yeah, that. I've I done felt that. that. <laughs> <laughs> A number yeah. three. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you can't expect me to, to remember the, the numbers of episodes that we that we have. Sure. I mean, I'm not Steven. He has a, Steven has a tattoo for all the episodes that he does. I don't. It's true. My, my arms are getting full. It's, uh, yeah. it's sad. But, um... Yeah, so that link will be in the show notes. We'll have a link to the Glide Kickstarter page as well. And it's going to be great. You can favorite a show and get a push notification, including on your watch if they ever ship, and listen live, and there'll be chat and stuff. And it's going to be it's a lot of fun to be working on it. So we'll definitely keep everyone up to date uh, as we get closer to it. So, so talking about the watch, um, today Apple... Uh, are offering, they sent out an email to some developers offering the ability to enter a draw in which uh, the selected, the lucky selected developers will receive a sport with a blue band, which uh, uh, me and underscore David Smith agree is the best watch. Um, they will receive, any developers chosen in the draw will receive a guaranteed watch uh, delivered by April 28th. And this is Apple saying they want to be able to give developers access to test their watch kits apps on the Apple Watch as soon as possible. This is really interesting, but it definitely does more to indicate the um, issues, maybe, is, is maybe one way to say it, in supply, if they're having to do a program like this. Yeah, I mean, because everybody's waiting for a watch, and now they're in the position of, you know, there's all these apps coming out for the watch. But the developers who made these apps actually tried them on a on a simulator on a computer. They didn't try them on a on a on a real watch, and now they have to do a lottery. So it's not like they're offering developers a unique link where they say, "Okay, we want you to buy an Apple Watch." So you go to this link and you buy your watch, and you will get the watch next week. This is a lottery to basically you can apply to buy a watch. And if you're not chosen to buy one, you're still going to have to wait. Uh, I think, yeah, it kind of, I mean, it's nice, you know, that they're giving developers a chance to 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 get a watch sooner than expected. Uh, but it also highlights the problems of, you know, uh, supply chain problems. Uh, there's more people than watches. So <laughs> now they're going to, Apple is going to do lotteries for everything. You're going to do a lottery for WWDC, a lottery to apply to get a watch. There's going maybe to be another to download the next iOS beta faster. Uh, you yeah. Know? <laughs> they should do lotteries for everything. It's fun. It's fun. And it creates anticipation. A lottery to see if your iCloud photos will sync. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly they've got supply issues and, you know, that's a problem when they want people to have access to, to write apps for it. You know, thinking, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, like, has Apple been in a situation like this before? And, you know, OS ten had a public beta, the iPhone went a year without, <laughs> without applications on it. And then, you know, the iPad had apps on day one, but the iPhone and iOS were already around. So it's a little bit of unusual situation that. People are writing and publishing to the store 
software they haven't you know been able to run on on an actual device. So as a developer, you know I would definitely you know be concerned if my watch was you know shipping uh, shipping later and my app were out there kind of you know um, without a lot of hands on hands on testing. But uh, you know it seems like Apple's doing what they can to to minimize that impact, which I th- which I think is good. Yep. Okay, so um, shall we thank our first friend and then move into some? We'll move into topic zero point five. We're not even at topic one yet. We got some real low level topics today. We're doing all the zeros today. I can deal with that. This week's episode of Connected is brought to you by Hover. They are the best way to buy and manage domain names. Hover is the place that I go when I'm looking to name a project, when I'm looking to buy a domain for a project, when I'm looking to buy a domain to play a joke on a friend. Hover is the place for me. Um, coming up with ideas for for names is like a really hard job. Like when, you know, I heard Stephen talking about this, I think maybe last week, when we were trying to come up with the name for Relay, um, which was like coming up to a year ago that we spent like basically two days uh, going backwards and forwards and fighting with each other, um, trying to come up with a name. Uh, And one of the, like when you're going through a situation like that, it can be really stressful, stressful for everyone involved, especially if there's multiple parties. So when you actually have an idea and you agree on something, before you get too attached to it, you want to be able to see the domains available. And if you're having to like jump through all these hoops and all that kind of stuff, you're just going to be fighting with you know this urge to like just get it out there, right? Because that's that's when you, once you come up with a name for something, it's like right, well that's that. But ho- what Hover lets you do is just go in and search really easily, and you can just find out super quickly if it's available. And if it's not available, maybe the .com is unavailable, but they'll show you if maybe the .net, the .co.uk, the .co, because they have all of those, they can show you if they're available. And if none of those are, they can even help you with adding some like different variations on the name so you can find the right name for you or maybe somebody owns the domain already um, and you want to buy it actually hover can be like the arbitrator between in that process like they can help you sometimes they have domains that they can help put in auctions or they can go out and contact people and start that domain and auctioning process for you which is really useful um, if that's you know if that's the kind of thing you need to do and you want to do then that that can be extremely stressful so having a company you can trust like hover makes all of that way way easier Hover's domains, their .com domains, for example, start at $12.99. They've recently lowered the prices on all their domains. And one of my favorite things about Hover is every domain includes Whois privacy for free, which I really like. So your information will be plastered all over the internet. They keep it nice and private for you. They have great customer support. They have no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support. They have great email support that I used a couple of weeks ago um, when I was transferring one uh, straggling domain into Hover. And they also have great guides. I was also using those to make sure I had all of my email records correct and stuff for Google Apps. They have great guides on on the Hover website to help you do all of that, which is really great. You can go to hover.com right now uh, and you should be trying them out. If you have a new idea for a project or just a domain, maybe you even want to transfer. They have their valet service where they'll transfer all of your domains from your current provider into Hover for you for free. If you go and do all of that, if you use the code MikeWasRight, all one word, uh, at checkout, you will get 10% off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for Connected and all of Relay FM. That's Mike was right to get 10% off because, you know, that's just the way it should be. Thank you so much to Hover for sponsoring this week's episode of Connected. Mike was right, guys. It's true. I'm not even arguing with it anymore. <laughs> we can't. <laughs>
It's true. There's a six plus setting right here. Uh, so topic, what is this? We're up to 0. 0.5. Yep. Google and mobile search with apps. What's, uh, I didn't yeah, read this. this. Is what, a, what's Google doing? This is something that um, Google announced uh, last week. It's a new uh, initiative for uh, search on Android devices, for mobile search. Now, on Android, when you, when you will look for uh, something on Google search, if that content that you're looking for is inside a mobile app from the Google Play Store, uh, even if that app isn't actually installed on your device, you will get um, you will get a shortcut in Google Search to install that application. So, mm-hmm. let's say you're looking for the lyrics to Wonderwall, and because you know Mike likes to sing Wonderwall, and you know he's looking on his Android phone for the lyrics. I do. So need he gets those. A, They're really important that I have those. Yeah. So it gets in Google Search. Uh, it gets a, it gets a, you know bunch of results from websites, but at the top it gets, uh, you know, from the Google Play Store, an app that it doesn't have installed. Let's say Mike doesn't have Music Smash, you know, the, the lyrics app on his Android device. But in Music Smash, the app, there's the lyrics to Wonderwall. So on Android, now you can install the app directly from the Google search results. And once the app downloads, you click like continue, you tap on the continue button and you're from search, you're taken to the newly installed app and into the Wonderwall lyrics. So you can find content from mobile apps, not just from websites. And that's not necessarily new because Google has been doing some uh, this uh, thing called uh, app indexing uh, that they can look into apps, you know, for content on Google search. But now you can also, they can also look into, into apps that, that you don't have installed and they can let you search, install, and continue your activity directly you know, into the apps. So a lot of people have been saying that this is going to be uh, kind of important you know, for app discovery uh, because you know, there's a lot of people who don't necessarily know which app they're looking for. Uh, they're just looking for content, whether it's ly- lyrics or news or recipes, you know? And, being able to get to a new to a native app in most cases is is a superior experience you know because you have all the benefits of a native app and i've been thinking first whether you know this this can actually be good for app discovery and but again this is just you know it's limited to android and i feel like i'm not qualified enough to to you know consider the implications but in general it made me think about what if apple did something like this for spotlight on ios and now before you call me crazy spotlight can search apps from the app store um you know you can you can look for i don't know minecraft in spotlight and you you tap on Minecraft and you get a you get a pop-up without even leaving Spotlight and you can install Minecraft. But what Google is doing is uh, you know it's much much different because they're actually looking into content from apps. So they're looking at text, they're looking at images. They're looking not at the app's name, they're looking at what's inside an app. Um so I've been thinking you know what what Apple has been doing on iOS. Apple took the opposite approach as usual. They prefer to team up with uh, specific, you know, companies 
so for instance in spotlight and in also in safari in the in the search box of safari you can look for uh, directions from apple maps of, of course but you can also look for uh restaurants in yelp you can get uh you know results from wikipedia and so apple does have this sort of idea of smarter search but they're not doing what Google has, has been doing, you know, with uh, continuing your activity from search to an Android app. So I'm thinking this would be cool in Spotlight. I'm just not sure whether Apple is interested in this. And also, if let's say that they are, I'm not sure they can pull this off, you know? Yeah, you'd, you'd uh, because... imagine that Google can do it because they know how to index, right? Like, that that's yeah. the thing. Like, they know how Google, you know, they've, they've got the indexing of the data down. So, like, even if Apple wanted to do it, like, can they? Like, do they have this yeah. kind of technology? I don't know. Looking at what, what Spotlight does, you know, Spotlight's looking within documents and stuff, you know, locally, but the second that you're kind of outside your own personal data they're they're partnering and bringing in wikipedia and, and all these different things like they're on on os 10 and ios and so i don't know you know i think sandboxing comes into play at some point the way this is working you know i, I don't know i just don't know if it's if it's possible with the way sandboxing works on ios because you know for the most part unless you're this is built on top of the extensions you know frameworks apps are are basically unaware of each other but uh it would be nice to you know to be able to search for something and, and say that it's in, you know, in my Dropbox or, you know, someplace else and, and Spotlight be able to find it quickly on my iPad would really be great. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I, I've stitched together all these different services and I have data in all these different apps. And sometimes it'll be like, where did I, you know, where did I put that note? Where did I, where did I save that document? And, and having sort of a more universal look at what's available to me would definitely be welcome, uh, Especially, you know, on the go on, on iOS devices. Yeah, I, I would definitely want this because, like, currently on iOS, Spotlight for me is just an application launcher. Yeah. Like, that's all I yep. use it for. Um, and even then, it's like sometimes for some reason, it just cannot find the apps. Like, my favorite is when it can't find, like, official Apple apps. Like, I just type in, I don't know, like, Sam opening the official calendar app for some reason. I type in, like, CA, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, that's basically what I imagine it's saying. It's like, you never use this app, so obviously we're not going to find it for you. Do you guys have this problem where sometimes Spotlight yeah, yeah. just doesn't? Okay, so it's not yeah. just me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very known bug, and it's so annoying. <laughs> it's such a weird one as well. Yeah, and they, they actually said that iOS 8.3 was supposed to fix the Spotlight not finding uh, apps by name, uh, but it's not true because it's still happening to mm -hmm. me, even on the 8.4 beta, it's still happening. So, uh, But what I wanted to kind of continue on this discussion is yeah. the, the difference between what we want from our spotlight on iOS and actually what's in Google's best interest for search. Because on Android, Google is saying, okay, we, we, we kind of want to treat uh, apps as websites. Uh, so because we depend on, you know, our business is based on search and ads, advertisements, that kind of stuff. We want you to continue searching like you normally do. Just now you'll also see results from apps. And now, again, you will also see results from apps that you don't have installed. And if you install them from our Google Play Store, you can continue your search easily. So Google wants to, you know, wants to kind of bring search into the mobile age by letting you search into the content of apps, just like traditional Google search can look into websites. 
on iOS, what me and you, Steven and Mike, what we want is for Spotlight to kind of be more like on the Mac. Because on the Mac, I can look for my documents in the Finder. Or, you know, I can yeah. look for stuff around my computer. On iOS, like you said, Mike, it's just an application launcher. So the basic problem on iOS is that there's no Spotlight API for apps. For, you know, if, I, if I'm a developer and I make an app that stores documents, I cannot say, okay, I am an application and I want to advertise my documents to the Spotlight agent on iOS because there's no such technology on iOS. I can look for my reminders. I can look for my specific email messages from, uh, you know, Apple applications, but I cannot look for specific files into my Dropbox or Evernote or, you know, any other third-party app on iOS. So Mm. I wouldn't be surprised or rather... I really, really wish for, you know, better integration between Spotlight and apps in iOS 9, uh, because I feel like it's truly time to be able to uh, to look for specific stuff into apps you keep on your device, especially, you know, with iCloud Drive, all this focus on documents and stuff. I feel like we got the technology in place for extensions, for I mean, kind of for document management. It's not perfect, but it's a, it's a good start. But we don't have the counterpart for search because Spotlight is still an application launcher or it can only look for specific items just for Apple apps. But what I don't see Apple doing is what Google is doing, uh, not necessarily by, because of a, of a, of a you know, philosophical problem, uh, but because they don't have the, te- the technology you know, to mm-hmm. index content in applications and to say, okay, we want to crawl the content of all the apps on the App Store because you know, also they would find a lot of rappy birds inside. Yep. Well, so. well the, the Apple method would be, hey, we've provided this extension. If you want to show up in search results, you know, push data out on this extension in this format and we will you know, send it to us. You know, where Google wants to go out and crawl, Apple, I, I think Apple would say, Hey developers, you know, provide us with some sort of manifest of what you have available to you that we can that we can search. Uh, do all the heavy lifting for us, right? I mean, that uh, seems like a pretty, pretty typical <laughs> Apple thing to do. Even yeah. if you look at extensions, you know, they've been on Android for much longer, and and they seem much more flexible. And I, I believe they're much easier to implement. Where in iOS, you know, the system and and Apple and everyone, it's up to the developer to to you know, build that stuff out. So I could see, I could see that coming. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's, I agree with you. It's definitely time. And it seems like they're moving in a direction where, you know, dealing with documents and, and data and notes and all this stuff should be easier. And so I, I would hope to see this sort of functionality done, done on iOS at some point. At least like I'm, I'm would expect to see something like this for iCloud drive documents. Oh man. Yeah. You know, cause that would be a selling point to use iCloud Drive as well. Yeah, I mean, at least give me... I mean, it's great that we can keep all the uh, documents from apps in a single place and we got these special folders with icons and they're cute, you know, they're, they have icons, you can browse them and stuff. But at least give me some kind of iCloud Drive app on iOS where yeah. I can just open the app and, okay, I find all my documents and I type a document and it goes back into the original app and I have a search bar and I can look for documents. Instead, I have to keep uh, third-party apps like documents from Riddle or, you know, all these other uh, third-party file managers just to tap on the iCloud Drive interface because yeah. otherwise there's no Apple 
unified solution to just say, okay, I want my iCloud Drive on my iPad. Where do I look? Can you explain to people how to look for iCloud Drive? No, because I mean, I'm you... not even really sure how to do it. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you got to download an app that supports iCloud Drive, and then you will see a share sheet. And then on the share sheet, you tap on iCloud Drive. I mean, it's awful. Uh, it's nice, the, the underlying idea, but it should be more like the Mac. Not saying that there should be a finder on iOS, but at least give me a shortcut, a place where I can go and I find all my iCloud Drive stuff. Well, like, because they've, the, the thing that I find the most interesting about that is Apple have already built the UI, like, which yeah. is the document picker. Yeah. Like, that, that's, that would be the, the basic UI for an iCloud Drive app. Um, so it, I agree it would be really, because it's still like, everything is still kind of siloed. Like, it's still kind of like, what app did I have that in? Was it in ByWord? Oh, no, it's not in ByWord, so maybe it's in Editor. No, it's not here. Like, you know, yeah. if you don't have an app like Documents or something, or you don't think to open an app like that, you end up, like, playing a wild goose chase until you actually find the document in the place it's meant to be. Going back yeah. to Google, though, I'm really fascinated as to what the business reason is for this. Yeah. Cause, because... If you think about it, like fundamentally, this is pushing people away from this is pushing Google's customers away from their standard revenue model because ideally for Google, they want people to make Google searches because that's where the advertising revenue comes yeah. from, right? So, yeah. but so the only thing, like, I'm sitting there thinking about this maybe that like the idea is they just want people to search for everything. Because yeah, that's it, the idea. Think, yeah. yeah, it builds in uh, just an inbuilt, like, why would I look for anything? I just search for everything. And that just builds the behavior in people to just keep searching all the time. So then in the aggregate, people will, will hit more Google pages. But it's just very interesting to me um, to see that because it's like they're showing an example of somebody um, looking for a perfect cup of tea, right? That's yeah. the 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 thing here. So you, you kind of they, they Google they they do like a okay Google search for it. Um and then it takes them to the Daily Mail app, which is a, a UK newspaper, and they find it inside the app. And like the, the, the process flow, they have a GIF on the page, you watch it, it's incredible. So you just search, you press install, it installs the app. Yeah. Once the app is installed, the app automatically opens and completes the search. Like that's yeah, really cool. Very yeah, that's very well done. And I and I feel like they wanna put you in the perspective of why would I look for anything, you know, outside of Google search? Because they want to make you, they want to make you understand that uh, apps are kind of like websites. They have stuff inside and you can go to Google search to find stuff, whether it's from a web page or from an app from the Google Play Store. It's kind of a hard trick to pull off, you know, uh, because there's a very different mindset you know, there's a website is one thing and a native app is another. Uh, and and I find it fascinating, you know, especially all this transition from Google search, you install, you get to the content that you ask for. I think it's very clever and it potentially it, could, it can be good for app discovery, you know, for, for developers who make apps that can show up in Google search. Um, but I, again, it's weird. I, it's weird from a business per perspective because you're pushing people away from websites which carry Google ads and you're giving them an easier shortcut to a native app which doesn't necessarily have Google ads inside. So it's kind of strange and 
maybe Google doesn't care or they they have metrics that suggest that what really matters is just to get people hooked and to get con- keep them searching on Google search. Uh, maybe that's what matters to Google. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Well, like this just could be something where Google, um, it's just a play for functionality. Like so, yeah. people look at like how we're looking right now at Android as being like, huh, I would really like that. You know, if you do enough of those sort of things, that's what moves the needle for some people, right? If you keep keep giving them functionality they can't get on their iPhone and it's functionality they really want, then maybe they're more inclined to move. Because that, that's the way that you do it, right? You just give people more of the stuff that they want but can't get. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a nice feature. I don't know if it will support, you know, all kinds of apps. Will the the unknown app from a third-party developer show up in Google search just like the app from The Guardian or Music Smash do? I don't know. It's possible because they have this technology called app indexing that, you know, seems to be open to everybody. Uh I mean, the, the, there's the GIF on the on the Google blog shows BuzzFeed, uh, the Daily Mail, and you know, <laughs> pretty big websites. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think it's interesting. I don't know if they they can kind of do this on iOS. Maybe no, I don't think they can actually, because on iOS it would show the App Store, uh, you know, pop up, and then I don't think there's a way to trigger, you know. Yeah, they they could do they could leverage the indexing maybe, but they wouldn't be able to push you out again. Yeah, I don't know because I'm my I mean they could use some kind of URL scheme and you know deep linking to take you directly into the specific page of I don't know Daily Mail, uh, but I don't I don't think they they on iOS they can update in real time and say okay now on this device the user has downloaded this app from the app store and the app has finished downloading and it can now be opened into this specific section i don't think they can do that they can do that on android uh they can kind of fake it on ios but it wouldn't be as you know uh, seamless as it is on on android Right, we actually believe it or not have more Google news. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is where we are now. We're we're all fed up of waiting for our Apple watches, so we're just talking about Google instead. Uh, but before we do that, let me thank our our second sponsor for this week's episode, and that's our friends over at Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. We all invest. We've been talking about new devices today. We all invest in these lovely devices all the time. But what is the point of of having all these fantastic pieces of equipment that we have if you're just going to spend your time stuck in a web browser looking at an intranet that looks like it was built in the 90s. That's crazy talk, and this is what Igloo can fix for you. Not only can Igloo be customized to look exactly the way that you want and fit your company's colors, you can even fly the company logo in your Igloo intranet, but with Igloo's responsive design, it's automatically optimized to look fantastic on any and all devices. So Igloo is built from the ground up to look fantastic on your laptop, on your desktop, but also on your tablet and your phone as well. And just like your favorite devices, Igloo helps you do your best work. Igloo lets you easily and quickly share files, coordinate calendars, provide status updates, and manage projects with the people in your teams wherever you are, whenever you want. Igloo is not just for your traditional internet stuff that you're used to, like managing HR policies and expense forms. It also lets you do better work together with the people that you work with. Igloo's latest upgrade, Viking, revolves around documents. 
and it helps you interact with them in a better way, allows you to gather feedback and make changes. They have a great HTML5 document preview engine, which makes sure that everyone's on the same page. And they also have now the ability to track who has read critical information to make sure that everyone's on the same page. It makes sure that Billion Accounts has looked at the training documents and that Mary and HR knows that he, that he has done that. It's just a useful thing where she then doesn't have to go over and... and ask him and badger him and you know interrupt him during his lunch break to make sure he's done the training she can just see because of a little like read receipt that comes up in igloo it's very very cool if your company has a legacy internet that looks like it's been stuck in the 90s you should be giving igloo a try igloo understands that love doesn't just happen overnight so if you sign up right now you can try out igloo for free this is for any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want so sign up right now at igloosoftware.com connected go check them out it also helps support this show thank you so much to igloo for sponsoring today's episode of connected so federico mike i was I've been so upset this week. Why? Because I had seen uh, about this fantastic Chrome update, right, mm-hmm. for iOS. Yeah. It's a great Google Chrome update for iOS. I saw, it yeah. on your, I saw it on a lovely website called MacStories.net, which I think is an Android blog now. Um, <laughs> I think... Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I um, didn't even link to the, to the I Google know, I know, search I'm news. Kidding. I wanted to discuss it on the podcast. I'm just Keep so it. excited about how much how much Google stuff you have for me this week. This is great. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've I've been without without uh, data. I, I've been where I've been traveling. I've had to be roaming and you know dealing with hotel Wi-Fi. So I haven't been able to update um google chrome and one of the reasons i'm really excited is now google chrome has extension support so i can use one password in google chrome which makes me the happiest man ever so tell me a little bit more about what is in this really great um update for google chrome and ios so uh for us tech nerds uh you can now use extensions of all kinds you can now use share extensions you can use action extensions uh, you can use one password or other password managers. Like, See, it had uh, share extensions, so um, I could already share to other services previously, but it didn't have yeah. the extension support for like one password and stuff like that. That's yeah, I think they have. didn't. They didn't support like the action extensions of some types. Yeah, uh, that's the idea that they improved support for action extensions. Uh, so m- most notably, one password can now fill logins. Uh, you know, usernames and passwords. In Google Chrome, it's it's not as uh, seamless or as uh, you know basically perfect as it is in Safari. There's a couple of web pages, at least for me, you know, my Italian bank, of course, because bank websites are always weird. Uh, there's a couple of logins that they don't play nice with one password in Chrome, but overall, it's it's very nice. Um, the other two big features, uh, there's a bunch of new gestures. On, on the iPhone, uh, you can, not on the iPad, just on the iPhone version. And these new gestures, they're meant to let you more easily and comfortably use Google Chrome on your iPhone. So you can now swipe down and you get this custom pull to refresh done by Google. And This it's, is so good, man. I have so much to say about this. <laughs> yeah, I told you about this when I, yeah. when I was trying it. Because you've been um, trying it out for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was uh, when I when I published my my six plus uh, review. Uh, there was a, a photo 
of uh, Google Chrome with the orange dot of the test flight beta. And I was afraid that, you know, people would like, oh, it's that a Chrome beta, and instead they didn't. So I kind of kept it quiet. Uh, Can I just a- share a quick frustration I have with the, with the orange dot? Sure. <laughs> so, you know, the... The, well, this is I have this problem more with the orange dot than the blue dot, right? They're kind of see-through, right? So yeah. because I have like a, a, a background with a, with a crazy pattern on it, across my home screen, some dots are yellow and some dots are orange, and it drives me mad. They don't, they're mm-hmm. not the same color. And like the blue one, there's slight variations, but because it's a darker color, it's blue, like it doesn't get as affected so much, and the difference between blue and purple isn't as harsh as yellow and orange, and it drives me mad. Like it just, just please, just make it a that is color. a that is a, a Syracusean level of frustration with a tiny, tiny piece of technology. It drives me crazy, Federico. <laughs> it really, really does. I hate it. I just wish I wasn't. So dots the at all. shade of the orange dots. I don't want dots. I just don't want dots. Like, just get rid of the dots. Remember when they put... used to do the little tag that said "new," like the little banner. That I prefer the banner. I prefer the banner because the thing that annoys me about the dots is it then truncates the text. So OmniFocus just says Omnif. Dot dot dot. <laughs> it drives me mad. I hate it. I hate it so much. But that's 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 my rant about dots. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, there's this custom pull to refresh, uh, swipe down gesture uh, that Google has done on Chrome for the iPhone, and what I mean by custom is that you can swipe down to refresh the web page. And that is, you know, uh, it's the basic gesture. Uh, but what's different is that uh, instead of being, you know, uh, it's more like a tray of icons at the top. When you swipe down, you get this refresh icon in the middle and you get two other icons, one to close the current tab and another plus button to create a new tab. And What's really smooth about this implementation is that while you're swiping down, while you're still holding your finger on the screen, you can quickly move the finger to the right or to the left to make this indicator at the top, which is a blue one, uh, basically pop from the middle position to the left or to the right. And effectively, it's like three gestures in one because you can just swipe down and then move your finger quickly to the left or to the right to, to open a web uh, a new tab or to close the current one. And it's more, it's harder to describe than it is in practice, but it's really fast and really convenient, especially if you have a big phone, like all of the three of us mm-hmm. do. Um, <laughs> you can, <laughs> instead of reaching out to the top to create a new tab or to close the current tab, you can just swipe down and then either to the left or to the right and you know, you're done. It's really quick, really, 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 it's really well done, and uh, I know that Mike is a is a fan of the, the this new gesture. Um, yeah. So, are you are you happy, Mike? Oh, very. This is this is like when I spoke about this, like I think when I originally got the six plus, like I was talking about how many developers, in my opinion, have not considered the larger phone sizes. Like Twitterific is a really pretty app, right? But all of its UI sits at the top of the screen. Oh man, yes. And there's I tried... no way of changing that. And it's like, yeah. are you using any big phone like at yeah. all? Like it's just cr- it's crazy to me like that you would keep it all up there still. And it, it this is like one of those things where you know I was concerned before um, there has been this recent. Uh, people trying out the 6 Plus more often that I was worried that people would just forget about the 6 Plus and that things wouldn't continue to be developed more specifically for it. And this is 
I think, really great app design from Google. Like, this is one of the first things that I've seen that that reminds me of pull to refresh. Like, hmm. this idea of Im- important navigation, which is frequently used, being placed in a position like this. Because obviously, pull to refresh is the main, is one of the things that's in here, right? But also the the idea of, adding a new tab, closing the current tab. Like, they're frequently used things in a web browser. So, like, this is, like, an advancement of pull to refresh that really makes sense on these larger screens. Like, this is already just a thing that I'm, I do now. I just know that that happens. And and I, I love it. I really wish they would add one more for the share extension, but... Exactly. That's... The, the... Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to have a, a stronger agreement with you. I really agree. That that's something that I would love, and um, I would also love. And I don't know how they would do this. I think this needs to be just a thing, an easier way to jump to the top. Yeah, because um, you gotta tap the status bar. Yeah, also scroll really quickly. But Google's Chrome, I think this may have actually they may have pushed this change out too early. They changed the way that the scrolling inertia is on Google Chrome, and it makes more sense now because it now scrolls a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I can kind of. Now I'm not, because that frustrated me, but now I'm happy about that. Because if I'm mm-hmm. like at the end of a page or whatever, now I can scroll super fast up to the top. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really love this. This is just very smart app design. And and it's now like Google Chrome, I just feel even better about my browser choice now that I have the extension support and a really nice way to, to interact with browser tabs. Yeah, but there's one more thing, Michael. Oh. There's a, there's a widget. Oh yeah, I've actually only just enabled that. I've not, I've not really tried it out. So what's the, what's, what's the good news about this widget? So it's a simple widget. You can swipe down, you open Notification Center, and you get two shortcuts for Google Chrome. One to open a new empty tab in the browser, and another one to start a new voice voice search in in Google Chrome. Uh, I saw a lot of people making fun of these two shortcuts in the widget. And I can understand, you know, because they're pretty useless, I think. Uh, I, I usually, when I want to create a new tab, I just go to the web browser or, you know, I open a link from from an app, like, I don't know, you know, my RSS reader or my email. But what's really, really great, I think, about the widget is that it supports opening links in Chrome after you copy them from anywhere. So say you're into messages or Apple Mail or Safari or whatever, and you just want to copy a link and go to Google Chrome. Before, either you did some kind of crazy iOS automation, you know, with Workflow or Drafts or Launch Center Pro, or you had to go to Google Chrome, so copy a link, close the current app, find Google Chrome, open Google Chrome, and go to the Omnibar, so the address bar at the top, uh, and or is it Omnibox? Is it Omnibox or Omnibar? I think it's the Omnibox now because Box, it's not yeah. a bar. So and you had to go there and paste the link. Now with the new widget, you can just copy a link. You swipe down from anywhere. You there's a when you copy a link, there's a new shortcut. Uh, it says uh, copy link, and you tap it, and you're taken to that link, but in Google Chrome instead. So it's really easy if, you, if you're if you using an app that doesn't have native Google Chrome integration on iOS. And there's plenty of apps that have, you know, uh, direct uh, Google Chrome support now. But if you're using an app that doesn't, like, you know, Apple's apps, or, you know, there's a, still a bunch of others, uh, you can just copy links the old way, 
but you use the widget to get to Google Chrome quickly. And so I don't understand why people are making fun of the widget because it, just the, this functionality alone is worth the widget. I think it's really convenient and I'm using it all the time because, you know, I'm trying to see, you know, Google Chrome on iOS, what's up. They've been doing some nice work, I think, lately. Uh, so I'm trying to see if it can be used. Uh, it's been many years since I last used Google Chrome, so I kind of want to catch up, you know, because I, uh, I'm young. I got to stay current. I got to keep my brain mm-hmm. fresh. I don't want to grow <laughs> old. <laughs> so I want to try new experiences. I sound like one of those people who go to Burning Man. Yeah. Uh, only wow. the app version. It's a similar kind of thing. <laughs> I, the last thing I'll say on this, I actually think the most impressive part of the widget is that they have built the animations for material design into it. Yeah, true. So like when you tap the the buttons, it does like the expansion from the circle. I can't, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, but I can only imagine that that was incredibly difficult to do. That that just feels uh, like something that's really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I do like that. You know, Google is, you know, it's keeping its personality in its apps. If you go to Drive or or Sheets or something, you know, you get the big band of color at the top, like you do on the web. I think they're doing a good job at at making sure all their apps feel Googly, even on iOS. And if you use a lot of them, you know, it starting it starts to feel like you're just and little google ecosystem on your phone or ipad i think i think it's a good thing from their perspective yeah i like um, that it keeps the, that design language i think is it's a really smart way of doing things yeah absolutely all right should we take a, a final break and then talk about music streaming sure. yay <laughs> <laughs> this is the federico episode this makes up for you not talking yes. last week yeah This week's episode of Connected is brought to you by Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. Wealthfront software manages your money using investment strategies that were previously only available to the wealthiest of investors, and they will do this for you for just one quarter of the cost of using a traditional advisor. Wealthfront monitors your account 24-7, automatically rebalancing your portfolio, reinvesting dividends, and working to maximize your after-tax returns. Wealthfront is overseen by a team of investment experts. These are people who launched the index fund revolution and who have written some of the most important books in finance so you know that your money's in safe hands. In case you're still not convinced, you should know that Wealthfront manages over $2 billion in client assets and has saved millions of dollars on taxes for its clients. So with Wealthfront watching over your investments every day, what will you do with all your extra time? Visit wealthfront.com connected to get your first $10,000 managed for free. Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC inv- registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered for Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. Federico. Mike. I, I know you want to talk about Apple's music streaming service. We only kind of we touched on this a little bit and then I can see you've had some more thoughts on this, which I'm excited mm-hmm. about. But I want to tell you a little story. Okay. So... I was having some problems with uh, having my phone accept uh, overseas SIMs. I have an unlocked 6 Plus that I bought from Apple. Um, I have recently found out that, this is at least what my carrier is telling me, that if you buy an unlocked SIM, an unlocked phone from Apple and you put a SIM into it, it automatically locks to that carrier and you have to request a carrier unlock. There is a oh, word this of is the same, the same issue with the Romanian SIM. This was the problem with the Romanian SIM, yeah. Okay. When I was trying to get that to work and couldn't get it to work. So that is a word of advice for all of you that have uh, what you believe to be an unlocked phone that, to check that before you travel. 
So they took this is what I've been told that it can and carriers can then lock it. So I had to get it unlocked again. Um, so in the process of getting my phone unlocked, I had to restore my phone, which everybody knows is my favorite thing to do. Um, so I did a full <laughs> restore and seemed like everything went okay. And I restored from a backup. Um, and then I was on a plane today. Um, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> and I opened Beats Music. <laughs> and all of my music still had those little pink down arrows to signify to me that everything was downloaded to my device. You know, why would I assume it wouldn't be? Um, and I put it into offline mode and nothing worked. And I was very confused by this. And so I looked into my library and everything was showing in the offline library. Then I went into the settings and looked in the download information. And it said I had zero songs downloaded to my device. And I'm very upset about this because I have then had to, when I got home today, I have had to log out from the app, log back in again, and then manually go in and set every um, album to download again. To my device. Wow. That's awful. You know what always works on an airplane? Yeah. iPod Classics. That's true. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, the way that these music streaming apps download stuff on your device, like these caches that they create, um, they never, in my experience at least, and now, Mike, in your experience too, they never work with, uh, you know, the backup and restore of an iOS device, yep. which is probably, you know, Apple's fault uh, because this stuff should work better. I don't know if, I don't think it's a, it's an issue only of the Beats Music app. I think it's an issue with any other kind of uh, local cache on your device, especially for music streaming stuff or, you know, even uh, video caches that I used to have one of those unofficial YouTube clients that used to download videos offline. Um, and I remember, uh, like it was three years ago, maybe, I did a backup and restore, and I, it didn't keep the videos. And I was really upset. But this was before I knew you, so I didn't have a podcast to complain about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, same issue. <laughs> it really, yeah, I, was, I was so upset. Because the thing that annoyed me the most about it is it's like... It's not even it's not even the the fact that this happened is that the UI showed me that it was downloaded. Well to be fair they've been acquired so maybe there's no engineer anymore. To, <laughs> Do you know to what? Remove, to remove the pink arrows <laughs> from the app. Yeah, they're there and they're just waiting, you know, they they want to do this that somebody's there is waiting for any moment to remove it's them like, for can you, me. Can you imagine like Tim Cook walking in, actually Eddie Q walking into the office and like, "Hey, where's the guy in charge of the pink arrows?" And like there's no guy anymore <laughs> because there's no office anymore. Yep. It's just the Apple office in Cupertino. I'm I'm sorry for you, Mike. Uh, so you. you didn't listen to music? No, Is, couldn't. What did you do on the plane? Uh, I listened to the Flophouse, which is a podcast that I enjoy. But I wanted to listen to music. I had some. So I had a song in my head, and I wanted to listen to it. And I also wanted to put some music on so I could sleep more comfortably. But could not. Could not do that. Um, was that was uh, disallowed by Beats Music? I'm I'm sorry. It's okay. Sad. The yeah. story of woe, really. But, you know, like Federico said, they've been acquired, and now there are rumors that uh, something might be happening in June. So, so yeah, what do we this think is, about that? 
this is what I wanted to discuss with you guys. The rumor is that uh, there's going to be um, some kind of announcement for an Apple music streaming service powered by what used to be Beats Music and that is going to be into the new music app for iOS 8.4. We discussed uh, the new app, uh, I think, last week. And we talked about how, uh, you know, all the features and the design choices seem to suggest that there's going to be room for streaming in the app. So I've been thinking, you know, I I, I was a fan of beat, Beats Music last year, uh, way before the acquisition when people used to make fun. Hey, it's the music streaming service from Dr. Dre and stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, I was uh, thinking I, this the other day that people might think that me and you just use this app, like, because Apple... But we were no, both no, no. using it for a long yeah, time before, in, like in when it started. Yeah, yeah, months before, mm-hmm. because we saw, you know, uh, the curation, the, like it was a different approach to music streaming, and it was really, really great. Mm-hmm. So I be, I'm thinking now, let's say that the rumor is true, um, and I do believe that the rumor is true, you know, because I mean they acquired the company. What do we want from an Apple music streaming service? What do we want and maybe what do we need? You know, because Apple is kind of late to the music streaming uh, business. Uh, there's no there's no music streaming from Apple at all. Um, so I want to first to ask you guys, what, what do you want from... Steven, I don't know if you want anything at this point, but what would you like from an Apple music streaming service? <laughs> uh, I mean, what I would like is, is something that... Works is on attractive. an iPod Classic. It, well, no... Something that's attractive to me as as someone who I don't want to deal with that, you know, downloading a bunch of music and and then having to sync it over or you know hope that it's there after restore. Like that's just something that works, and I want something that has the ability to blend local tracks and you know stuff available on the service because none of none of these services, even the bigger ones, have everything, and you, know, you end up in the situation where you have. You know stuff in in audio or beats or or Spotify, and then you also have the music app with like weird stuff that you synced over. And so, with all this being first party now, theoretically Apple could do something about that and make it more of a uh, a combination or some sort of blended experience. And that I think is like the holy grail for a lot of users. I mean, I know a lot of people who use something like Spotify but still have iTunes around for that stuff that's not available. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if that dream comes true. Can I stop you right there, Stephen? Because that's exactly what Google Music does. Okay, I know. You can hear the pain. (laughs) You can hear him. Welcome to Connected, the leading Google podcast on the internet. But the but but the rest of Google Music is so bad. Like no, no, listen to me. It's it's not terrible anymore. So you can. Uh, so it used to be called, you know, the the super long name Google Music Play, all access, whatever. Now it's just I think Google Play Music. So it's kind of more decent name. But besides the name. Uh, they let you do the, the what you what you want the blend of um, local tracks, so you can upload songs up to fifty thousand songs. I think it's more than iTunes Match, so you can upload songs from your computer. <laughs> and, GoogleStories.net. And and you can, <laughs> and you you can upload songs from your computer, and you can use music streaming uh, like streaming songs uh, that you don't own at the same time. So I wanted to try uh, Google Music a few weeks ago, and the, I I chose to uh, 
you know, take my Taylor Swift album from my iTunes library because it's not available on Spotify and other streaming services, including Google Music. So I uploaded uh, 1989, which is the album's name, to Google Music with the Google Uploader, whatever the name is. So when I'm, when I'm in Google Music now, I can look for streaming stuff, you know, as usual. And I can also look for the, the, the Taylor Swift a- album that I uploaded, like they coexist in the same interface. Uh, actually, if you go to, the, to your Google Music library, you see in the same interface uh, streaming albums that you added to your library and also uh, stuff that you uploaded from your Mac. Uh, which is nice. I think it makes sense for people like you who want to, uh, you know, there's this album that I can find on music streaming services. And now, you know, I can see that, you know, the combination of the two making sense. It's not perfect in Google Music because they're still terrible at many, many things, as I will discuss in a bit. But they do have this feature. So maybe, Steven, next week you will you will try Google Music. I'm busy with all the pictures of beards <laughs> next week. <laughs> you always have an excuse not to try the, the you know the young stuff it's true hey Federico uh, Fabi in the chat room is letting me know that googlestories.net is available for $13 you should go to Hover and buy that no that's not I don't want to have a google story that is not <laughs> d- a dumb dumb name to have though <laughs> well, I don't know is it really available it, that's what I'm being told hmm. yeah well I will check um it's just you know I have a I have an intellectual interest more than anything in in being up to date with what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Stephen wants the unification of kind of iTunes Radio, iTunes Match, and regular iTunes music files and the new music streaming stuff from Apple. What do you want, Mike? Beats does so much of what what I like. Um... I mean, there are frustrations with the app. Like, the the catalog is is good enough. The the curation stuff, I really, really, really want to stick around. Um, but the app really does need some love. Like, uh, offline mode in general makes Beats Music pretty upset. Um, and it, I've also had this thing where it just randomly cuts off like ten seconds of a track, and it's like impossible to to get it back. Um, so there is definitely some just technical work that needs to occur like to make the app really the best it can be. I'm not really that interested anymore in uploading my own music. Um, it's just not something that I need to do. If I'm paying for a subscription service, there's a good chance they've already got it. Um, and on the odd occasion that they don't have it, like there's maybe like three albums that I own um, that music streaming services don't have. Uh, so I just have them in the music app. Like that's not a problem for me. I I know why a lot of people do want that, um, especially if you have more obscure music or like lots of live recordings or something. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, that's not really a big thing. Um, I, but I do really want the app to think more intelligently about offline mode, making it easier for me to get into it, or just putting itself into offline mode more easily. And that comes yes. from a lot of the places that I listen to music. It's like underground, you know. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've always felt that no apps really intelligently use offline mode um, and or, you know, just maybe default to offline mode until I request something online, 
would be will be a much much better way for me so like you know because what the app the app is constantly trying to connect to the server to make sure i'm not like oh heaven forbid stealing music for a day like just you know just chill out it's everything's gonna be okay yeah yeah especially now that we have iphones with you know at least 64 gigs of storage I think I'm at least I'm I'm finding myself saving more and more albums for offline listening just because I have the space. So you know why not? When I'm driving, I I don't want to use my 4G data. I can just use the, the offline album on my device. So yeah, I agree. A lot of apps don't make good use of offline mode. And also, I, I want it to be available in Europe like straight away. <laughs> I mean, of course. Uh, actually, that's a that's a good uh, jumping point for me because I made my own list. As you can already tell from the document that you're that you have in front of it's you, but uh, listeners, listeners don't. Um, yeah, you know, I think about this stuff usually when I'm in the shower or cooking. Like I keep thinking about you know music streaming. That's the stuff that I do. You know, video mm-hmm. games, music streaming. What else? iPads. You know, these are my thoughts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, um, the first point that I that came to mind was the the beats music curation the, the, that was the big deal with beats music you know all the uh, curated playlists the recommendations the you know the uh, what's the, the the deep cuts i think was the name of you know the the, the uh, human curated selections from yep. albums from a specific artist great album tracks and, basically oh yeah yeah and uh, so i'm thinking uh, this curation if Apple is doing music streaming, first question, are they doing music streaming internationally at launch or is it going to be another iTunes radio scenario, which is basically just available in the US and Canada? Uh, or are they going to do a real you know, international rollout, a real Apple service for everybody else uh, outside of the US and Canada? Uh, I hope so. But my question is, besides you know, getting the rights to have music streaming internationally. Can they also do, do curation internationally? So can they assemble a team of people in each country to, to create these curated playlists or, you know, uh, sections? Can they have someone in Italy, a team of people in Italy, curating what's, you know, popular right now or maybe the history of Italian music. Can they do this then for any other country? Because in the United States, what Beats Music did was they assembled a team of, you know, music journalists, reviewers, and just in general experts of the music industry. And they assembled this team and Apple, based on what I know, they they took many of these people in at Cupertino. And... Can they do the same for, you know, in Italy, in France, in Germany? Can they do the same in all the other countries where the iTunes store is available? Because my other question is, is it going to be this music streaming service, if it exists, is it going to be available in the same countries where the iTunes store is available, which should be around 155, I think, maybe more? Or is it going to be, again, like iTunes Radio, a separate rollout, a separate, you know... Uh, set of countries where it's available. Uh, I don't know, but I, I'm seeing, you know, uh, even Google last year, after, you know, shortly after the Beats Music acquisition, they bought uh, Songsa, uh, you know, a company focused on curation, 
uh, and playlists for music streaming. And they're doing this, uh, I think in the US and recently in the UK, they're doing this curated front page for Google Music, which is based on the Songsa playlists. Mm -hmm. And they're not doing this in other countries because they don't have a curation team internationally. So if Google is struggling, uh, I don't know if Apple has a team or plans to have a team or even if they plan to continue doing, you know, that kind of curation. Because what's really, when I say curation, I don't mean, okay, there's a bunch of new releases every week, which is the, what's the best stuff? That's not curation. <laughs> because go to Beats Music, you see a lot of uh, playlists and sections and collections and you can tell that they've been assembled with taste, you know, with the deep knowledge of music. Uh, it's, I'm not uh, when I say curation it's not just you know picking a bunch of singles and a bunch of albums and say oh we curated the front page uh, so I'm curious to see if the will you know have a team so I would be very surprised if they had uh, local teams around the world like I think it's just going to be English music focused in the US yeah. most likely um, I think that that is just going to be the way it's done because uh, that's just a lot of people um, yeah. And my hope, my hope for why we haven't seen iTunes Radio really break out into Europe, um, is that they decided to just put the resources into getting this ready. Like that the, makes the, sense. To 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 whatever, like let's just call it Beats for the sake of giving it a name. That they want to get Beats in every country, or they want to get it in as many countries as possible. I don't think it's going to be in every country that iTunes is in, at least initially. But I would be very I would be very surprised if they just launched a big a big project like this only in the U.S. But they did it of Apple Pay. But I would like to think that they maybe have a little bit more sway uh, with yeah. the music record labels. And this was something I I really remember. I really wish I could remember who sent this in. But someone said, you know, we were talking about like how Eddie Q would start the deals and Jobs would close them. Um, I, somebody uh, tweeted at tweeted us to say like imagine if like now Jimmy Iovine is the one that closes the deals well, it's possible and that would that would make a Beats acquisition worth it in and of itself yeah yeah and plus you got you know you got the team you got the streaming service you get the headphones you know you get this full package of resources I, I think it makes sense um, so next on my list anyway uh now, I don't know if this is just my frustration. I know that there's other people like me out there, so I'm kind of reaching out, and it's a, it's a call for help, basically. I struggle to find a proper, well-done new releases section on every streaming service that I try. And I tried them all. I tried Spotify, I tried RDO, I tried Beats Music, now I'm trying Google Play Music. I even uh, signed up for Tidal, uh, you know, the Jay-Z streaming service yeah. a few weeks ago. And so I tried them all. I mean, I don't think I tried Deezer. Well, maybe I should try Deezer at mm, one point. Don't bother. Anyway, uh, I'm the kind of music guy who wants to, you know, I have a, a bunch of bands and artists that I follow. And I want to keep current on what they do. I want to stay up to date with, you know, new singles, new new records. And in the music industry, uh, there's a specific day of the week. It is Tuesday. I think it will change to Friday to conform to the other, you know, entertainment industry, you know, the movies and video games. Uh, but it, it still is Tuesday, the day when new music comes out. 
And so it is called New Music Tuesday on Spotify and other places. And it's the day when you get to listen to new singles, new albums, and, you know, all that's new. And I think it is essential for a a streaming service to get this section right because you want people to be able to find new stuff because people like new stuff because, you know, new is new. And so I tried all these services and they, uh, they all tend to get this wrong for some reason or another. Uh, so RDO was the only one that got their new releases section kind of right. Because each yeah, Tuesday... Yeah, that was good. Audio was it good It was good. Yeah. It was good. Each Tuesday, they would send you an email and they would say, yeah, there's new music for you and there's a new releases section right there in the app. Or at least there used to be. Because the problem is that, you know, RDO changed a lot since I last tried it. Uh, but... Based on what I know, they used to send you an email, there's new music, you go to the section, you find new music. And it was really well done, and for more than two years, I used RDO and loved the new releases section. Uh, Spotify. Spotify is surprisingly, uh, you know, kind of in the middle of this, because they don't have a real... I mean, they do have a new new releases section, uh, but it's not updated, uh, you know each Tuesday, as RDO does. Instead, what they do is they have a new Music Tuesday kind of subsection with a playlist done by the Spotify team. And if you subscribe to this playlist, each Tuesday you get a notification and there's new music, new songs added by the Spotify team. And sure enough, there's a new singles, new songs, and you can, I'm subscribed to this playlist and I go there and I find new singles. And it's pretty good but not perfect because it's not like the audio section uh, where you get you know uh, you get a date at the top and you get a list of albums you know sorted by popularity which i think makes the most sense Uh, so spotify has a section but it's not updated they have a playlist which is convenient but it's not a real section which brings me to beats music which based on my what i remember from last year uh there is new releases uh, and they also kind of rotate on the front page but it used to be super confusing to find a list of new releases by all genres you know it's like they're doing a bunch of you can go into this category and you find new releases here or you can go to the front page and if you're into this artist we suggest a new release for you but there's no single place where you go and say okay i want to see all new music from tuesday give that to me there's no mike am i wrong is there any you know section like this in beats music if there is i've never been able to find it like i always go to like there's a there's one tab where it sometimes shows that, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, a lot of a lot of services do this sometimes thing, where like sometimes you can find new music, other times you don't. Which you know, I wanna, I want. I, it's just after years of, I mean, I've been on music streaming services for like six years at this point. And each Tuesday, I want to go there and I want to find new music. And every time, there's something wrong with them. Google Music is terrible at <laughs> new releases. It's it's the it's the worst. Uh, it's the worst service that I tried from this standpoint. So, Google Music is tied to your Google account, and if you want to keep a real personal Google account like I do, 
you gotta give Google your location. You know, you gotta say, I live in Italy because, you know, they use that for like uh, two-factor authentication. They, you know, they use that for Google Maps, for your address and, you know, all the stuff that Google does. So, I'm, uh, of course, I'm Italian. I live in Italy. And that's the problem for many things, but in this case, for Google Music. Um, so, when I go to Google Music... Um, there's a new re- there's a, an explore section in the in the left menu there's a menu on the left you open the menu there's explore so i, I decide to explore because mm-hmm. i'm you know i'm a brave man and i explore and there's a <laughs> and there's a bunch of tabs at the top and you can switch from recommended to new there's also other tabs but i don't care um, so when you go to new because i'm italian but also because i'm into you know english music uh I think Google Music is confused, so they're giving me recommend uh, new releases for Italian music, which I never, never, ever listen to, and you know actual music that I listen to, like I don't know Foo Fighters or Noel Gallagher, you know. Uh, so I get this mix of Italian music and you know pop singles from the Italian top charts. And you, you know, rock Italian music. I don't see that's the point. They they're only giving those new releases to me because they assume that because I live in Italy, because so I'm Italian, know. I'm interested in, in Italian new releases. Right. But what's really driving me crazy about this is that be, this is a real problem, right? I live in Italy, but I don't care for Italian stuff. Don't give me Italian content ever. And Google understands this problem because in YouTube they have a setting to say, I don't want to see regional stuff ever. Just give me the US or the worldwide YouTube. Don't give me the Italian front page. And that's what I did. I go to YouTube and I say, don't ever show me Italian videos because I don't care. And there's no way to do the same in Google Music, which is dumb because in Google Music, there is YouTube integration. That's another thing, Stephen. You can look for your own music, you can look for streaming music, and you can look for YouTube videos in Google Music. It's all unified in the same app. So they have YouTube integration, but they don't let you change the regional settings. So my new releases section in Google Music is a bunch of Italian bands that I don't care about, and actual real bands that I care about, and so it's useless for me. So what I'm Basically, I'm, st- I'm stuck because I'm going to websites to find to find out more about new releases. I'm still keeping my Spotify sub- subscription because, uh, you know, I have a family account that I need. And I'm not sure about, you know, whether Google Music will, still, will stick around. But man, is their implementation of new releases wrong? It's really, it's really just wrong. Um, Nobody, this... Nobody's got it right, though. Like, really, no, no. I don't, don't think anyone's really got it right. See, that's the point. Apple kind of gets it right on the iTunes Store front page, but yeah, that's... I give that. Yeah, I, I buy that actually because that was what I, I mean. I've said this before. Like, I used to go in and like buy a couple of new albums every week because they just they just surface good stuff to the front page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 tend to surface like popular, you know, bands and other artist, artists. Yep. It's just you know they know what's popular, so they give you the new releases for popular stuff. And, and I, I, I can't help but wonder if the curation, like, manpower problem also solves new release issues. Like, can't iTunes do it because they have a bunch of people, you know, keeping yeah. up with what's going to be new and what they should push? And, you know, they have an editorial calendar where 
like is, is on Spotify is like one intern in charge of New Music Tuesday and he's, you know, not very good at it. Like could that be solved with more man hours? Yeah, probably. So real quickly, I I had uh, other, you know, uh, wishes for <laughs> uh, beats from Apple. Uh, family accounts, me and my girlfriend, we we want to share the same music streaming subscription because we want to save a couple of euros each month because we both have to use music streaming for different needs, but we both, we both need to. And I don't think... I think Beats Music has family accounts, just in the US, of course. So hopefully Apple will consider, you know, does Apple have any kind of family subscription for iCloud? I don't think they do. I don't think so. It's not exactly promising for, you know, (laughs) a streaming service. So anyway, family accounts. Hopefully. Um, What's really interesting for me is the consideration of having different kinds of content into into Beats Music. Um, Before the acquisition, I think Beats Music was already doing uh, that kind of uh, thing where they allowed artists to showcase non-music content to users of the app. So you could look for, I think, merchandising like you know, hats or other accessories, T-shirts, uh, because I think there used to be some kind of partnership between Beats Music and another company that used to provide this service. Um, now I'm, I'm thinking it would make sense, you know, because Apple has a has an interest in like the the music industry in general. Like when you when Apple does iTunes Festival each year you can tell that they care about music kind of as a lifestyle, you know? And it wouldn't surprise me if Apple continued to offer this kind of, uh, I wouldn't say recommendations, but I would say you go to the, to the streaming, to the Beats Music app, and you go to your artist page, and besides there a list of albums and a list of songs, Maybe you should be able to see more. Maybe you should be able to see, you know, status updates from your favorite artists. Or you should be able to see concert dates. Maybe you should even be able to buy concert tickets with Apple Pay inside Beat Music. It wouldn't be too crazy when you consider all these little technologies and, and pieces that Apple has already into place. Especially when you consider the company's affection for music and the company's past, because this is not too dissimilar from Ping. I know that we used to make fun of Ping, but I think that, yeah, I mean, it was awful. We're still making fun of I think there, there was, uh, like, the seed of a good idea in Ping, which is to connect easily a listener to an artist and to see what an artist is doing. Because nowadays, the kids are going to Twitter and Instagram to see, you know, Beyonce wearing an Apple Watch or whatever, you know, Leon Gallagher is doing. Uh, But to be able to see this stuff, to be able to see where the next concert is or, you know, to buy a a concert ticket with Apple Pay just, you know, by using your fingerprint, I think there there could be potential there. And it would be fascinating to see, you know, 
beats music expanding to these different types of connection. Because, you know, uh, Trent Reznor and, and Jimmy, they're all about, you know, uh, they always said in previous interviews, we want to make it easy for artists to connect with their fan base. And I think it would make sense for Apple to pursue, you know, this kind of integration. If anything, I want to see Apple buy Songkick, which is an app that I love, that I use on a daily basis, and it would be awesome to see Songkick integration in the music app. Songkick is a, is a service to uh, receive notifications for concerts by your favorite artists when they're playing in your area. It, it's awesome. I use it every time. In fact, I, I just got a notification for the Foo Fighters concert in, in Bologna this year, which I'm going to. I'm going to London like a tour. Nice. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, I have more thoughts on music. I think I don't have time. I can feel Stephen uh, wanting me to continue my thoughts next week, and and I agree, Stephen. <laughs> uh, it's like tele- telepathy. Yeah. I, like I can just I can just picture him just nervously looking at the timestamp in QuickTime and wanting me to shut up, in a good way. And, and and I agree. I can do that. Well, I, th- I think what you have left in your outline is really interesting, like stuff with Apple TV and, you know, uh, I think there's a lot more here to explore. Yeah, yeah. You've just, you, my friend, have just been produced. You know, that's, that's what this is. <clears throat> but I like it. I like it. Right, I think that's about it for this week then. Um, if you want to uh, catch all of our Google-related show notes, you can go to uh, relay.fm slash connected slash 36, and you can find a, a lovely list there. Um, thanks again to our sponsors this week, Hover, Igloo, and Wealthfront. Um, if you would like to find us online, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can find Federico uh, at maxstories.net. You can find Stephen at 512pixels.net. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter. Stephen is at ISMH. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.